Let's do this today. I want to uh, read a passage from John chapter 6 and then uh, talk about a day in the life of Jesus that um, points to, that just sort of sums up what um, he does for us and continues to do for us and what we need to do in response to him. And then we're going to share communion together. Um, so uh, let's, let's turn first to the word John chapter 6. If you've got your Bible, you want to uh, mark that or you want to make a note of it. But I know uh, Ryan will show it up here. Uh, John chapter 6, we're going to read just uh, 13 verses. Then I'm going to um, talk about the whole chapter, but mostly these 13 verses. John 6 verse 47 uh, through 59. Truly, truly, I say to you, The one who believes, I'm sorry, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he, she shall live forever. And the bread also which I shall give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews, therefore, began to argue with one another, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus, therefore, said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up. On the last day. For my flesh is true, fruit, true food and my blood is true drink. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he also shall live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread shall live forever. He's reinforcing, reinforcing, reinforcing. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Now, let me just say, when we say, when Jesus says, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. That is probably not the best line to start witnessing to somebody with. (laughs) You know, you know, they, why? Because we don't think on that level. It's going to be like, what? Just like these people. And, you know, the Jews had a long history. You know, they had many, many years with the law that said you don't eat anything with the blood in it because the life is in the blood. Right. You don't do it. They knew when they uh, had a sacrifice, they would drain that blood. When they were going to eat something, they drained the blood. They got it out. They were not supposed to do that. And cultic practices, again and again and again, when the Jews would adopt the cultic practices of the people around them, it always would end up with that kind of stuff. It would always end up with immorality, and it would always end up with things like that. Drinking blood, almost like... God, we don't care. We're doing it. We're rebelling and doing exactly what you don't want us to do. That's kind of the, isn't that sort of human nature? Somebody says, don't do this. Oh my gosh, now everything in me is, you know, kind of leaning toward doing that thing. Here's Jesus. He says, 
to these people. And he knows. I mean, he is the word made flesh. He knows their law. He knows how they think. And he's saying, unless you eat my flesh, okay, that's sort of out there. But then to say, and drink my blood, it's like, okay, he's, he, he's losing it. How can he say that? Unless you drink my blood, you have no life in yourselves. That's where Jesus starts. Now, let me just say something, and we're going to come back to that. And as I say, we'll share communion. In this chapter, this is a day in the life of Jesus. And I'm, as I read the whole chapter, and it's a long chapter, what is it, 71 verses in total. It's a long chapter even before you get to this part. It starts with Jesus on the side of a mountain where he goes up, his disciples come to him, and then he sees a large crowd coming to him. It says a great multitude, and later it lists at, there are at least 5,000 people. It says 5,000 men alone plus the rest of the crowd, 5,000. And they're coming to him. Why? Because they've seen these signs. They've seen him healing people. And they're coming naturally to receive. They want to come and they want to be healed. They know this guy. He's done extraordinary things. And this is on the side of the Sea of Galilee. And they're coming to him because they've seen these signs. So thousands follow him to the mountain to hear him and to be healed. When he sees them coming, right? he sees them coming and it says, he, he says to one of the disciples, he says, where can we buy, where can we buy them dinner? Where can we buy enough food to feed them? And the guy's like, you're, you're joking, right? Like, where can, there's nowhere. One, we're out in the wilderness. And two, what do you look at the size of them? He says, you know, uh, we have a few dollars in the money bag, but, you know, it's not going to, it's like, hey, honey, I'm bringing a few friends over for dinner. Uh, how many? Yeah, 5,000 with the guys, and then, you know, their wives and kids. And, you know, like, how are we going to do this? And it says that he said this to test his disciple because he already knew what he was going to do. That's funny to me that Jesus would do that. I know what I'm going to do, but my disciple doesn't. He's just thinking, uh, what? He already knew what he was going to do. One of his other disciples, Andrew, Simon's brother, says, hey, there's a kid here. I think this is really funny, too. There's a kid here. He's got five little loaves. When he says loaves, he's not, gonna, not talking about some gargantuan thing. He's talking about some little pitas, maybe, little probably unleavened cakes. He's got five loaves and two dried fish, like a couple of sardines. I don't know why he even mentioned this. Just 5,000 people. Well, wait a minute. Now, if we divide it, we, you know, add some water so it swells. Uh, you know, like, there's not, like, it's, I don't know why he would have even mentioned it. But he does. And so Jesus, Jesus says, that's all he needed. Have the people sit down. What? Five loaves and two fish. Have them sit down. This is a day in the life of Jesus. I don't know what it looked like. You've heard me say it before. He took that food. He gave thanks for it. I don't know at 
where it started to multiply, but somewhere in there, he gave it to the guys, his disciples, to go give to these groups of 50 and 100. And I don't know, on the way there, they didn't notice. Gosh, the thing is heavier than I would have thought. You know, and it's, it's, I don't know how it multiplied. And they took up more leftovers than they had to start with. Like 12 baskets or something. That's insane. This is a day in the life of Jesus. The people recognize, ah, he not only is a healer, he's the expected prophet that we've heard about for over a thousand years. He's the guy. He's the, the great prophet that's going to come. So they, it says in, if you back up, they, Jesus de- departs from them because they want to come and make him king by force. They say, this guy has got it all. He heals people. He multiplies food. It's good enough for me. Let's make him king. Out with Herod, in with Jesus. So they want to make him king. What does Jesus do? If it had been me, I would have reigned for a little while. (laughs) But Jesus, what does he do? He goes to to pray. No. (laughs) I mean, humble as I am. (laughs) I would have done it. Okay, we'll give it a shot. You know, a couple of days later, John Boyd doesn't know what he's doing. He's an idiot. <laughs> you know, get him. No, they, Jesus goes to pray. The disciples go down to the water. It gets dark. They start across for Capernaum. They start heading across to the next place that Jesus must have told them they were going to go. They go down to the water. Jesus is up praying. This is a day in the life of Jesus. They row, it says, three or four miles across the Sea of Galilee. Three or four miles on the water. I don't know how big a vessel this is, but you know, it takes a little bit of work. Now it's dark and a storm. Okay, a day in the life of Jesus. What does he do? Oh, gosh, we need a bigger boat. No, he walks there. Okay, that's bizarre. Like, heals people, feeds thousands, walks on water. It's it's astounding. This is just a day in his life. He's walking on the water, scares the cheese out of the disciples because they think there's a spirit. Then when they realize it's Jesus, they welcome him into the boat. They land on the side. All of this is great. I mean, he walks on the water in a storm. Then he draws people to himself because he's there and the people realize Jesus is gone. They all go to Capernaum to follow him. And he brings this challenging message about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And their eyes, like mine, like ours, are on earthly blessings. And good things. Like they, they, being healed, of course, that's a good thing. We celebrate that like we do with Brenda. Being fed, that's a good thing. It's a necessity, right? We have to have that. Having our needs met in every way like that, that's a necessity. They're in a storm. Jesus calms it enough to get them to shore. It doesn't even talk about him calming. They want to make him an earthly king. He rejects it. He won't have it. Nope. He's aiming somewhere higher. They want an earthly king. Jesus doesn't do it. Now he comes and he teaches this message and they're all like, huh? And you finish the chapter and it says, at this 
hard message, many of them who got healed, who got fed, who wanted to make him king, who knew that he didn't leave on the boat, he got there some other way, those people now turn and say, forget it, eat his flesh, drink his blood. Uh, this guy, he, this guy's, what do they say, this guy's whack. I'm not following him, and they walk away. Jesus does bless us in a lot of earthly ways, right? He does. We keep praying for people to be healed, like in Brenda's situation, like many of you guys. Like me, I have things I am saying, God, I need my Achilles healed. It's been injured for three months. I, I want it to be healed. I need a supply. I need God to do various things. I, we ask for those earthly blessings, but Jesus is looking on another plane. He's looking beyond these temporal things. When they come there to meet him then, in this story, Jesus right away, they say, Jesus, how did you get here? They knew he didn't leave on the boat. And he says, stop working so hard for bread that spoils, that perishes. This temporary bread. The bread that is, well, it, it's, you know, when they say bring a, bring a non-perishable food item. Actually, they're all perishable. It just means it's in something where it won't. It's in a can and it won't spoil. But he's saying, don't, don't work so hard for this food that's here today and gone tomorrow. It all rots. It all uh, decomposes. It all spoils. He says in uh, verse 26, I'm sorry, verse 27, he says, labor, work for food which endures or stays preserved for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him the Father has set his seal or his seal of approval. So then they say, hey, what do we need to do to be, what, what work can we do to be approved by God? Jesus says, this is the work that you can do, the only work you can do. Believe in him whom he has sent. Mm-hmm. Believe. Like there's another earthly human thing. We want to, what can I do to get God to like me? Well, yeah. You can't do anything to earn his favor. You can believe in the one that he sent to, to make, to qualify you, to justify you. You can believe. That's all you can do. Then he carries on and they say, well, what sign do you show us? He, and they say, Moses fed us manna in the wilderness for 40 years. Sure, you got us dinner one night, but Moses fed his people for 40 years. Jesus says, it wasn't Moses that gave you the bread out of heaven. My father is giving you the true bread out of heaven. Now, that's an interesting thing in all of this. Jesus is showing that, you know, he uses everything to illustrate the truth. He says that earthly thing, the manna that came, was just a symbol, just an illustration of the reality. The reality is Christ. All those 40 years they were eating, and and it's a miracle to be sure, they were eating manna. Can you imagine? They got to where they just expected for 40 whole years, they would wake up six days a week, and there'd be this seed thing on the ground, they'd gather it, and they had meal for the day. Now, you know, I'm sure there was a bit of complaining that, oh, manna again? 
I mean, you know, the kids, mom, please, can you at least make it a different way? Manna again? For 40 years. And on Saturday, there, or sorry, on Friday, there would have been twice as much so that on the Sabbath, they didn't go gather it. Well, that's a miracle. And then as soon as they're ready to go into the promised land, it ended. Wow. But Jesus says, yeah, that's just an illustration. What it's pointing to is the reality that you're looking at. I'm the true bread out of heaven. That was just an illustration. I'm the actual bread that God is giving for the life of the world. Food is life, right? Like, I mean, food covers a lot of things. We eat food to fellowship with one another, like we'll do in two weeks. Like, people you know, want to get to know one another, they're building a friendship, what do they do? Let's have lunch together. Let's, you know, we'll start with coffee. We'll go for lunch. We have dinner. We, we do that. We invite somebody over. There's relationship. But in the final tally, it's sustenance, right? It's life. You don't eat long enough and you, you die. You eat, food is life. Jesus says, I'm the living bread. I'm the bread that you need in order to live. This whole book of John, from beginning to end, I love aspects of this gospel. These words occur again and again and again and again. Believe. All the way through, it's about believing in the one that God has sent. All the way through, it's about life. He says, believe and you'll have eternal life. What's the most famous verse in the Bible, probably? John 3.16. What does it say? So that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish, but have eternal life, have everlasting life, would live forever. All the way through, you get to John chapter 20, verse 31, and it says, there were many other signs Jesus did, but these signs, and he covers seven signs, he says, these seven signs were presented so that you might believe in him. And believing in him that you might have life. All the way through. Believe, get life. Believe, get life. Then here's Jesus now on this saying, he's the bread. And he's saying, you need to believe in me. But then he starts talking this language. He stops using the word believe. In the verses we just read, he mentions believe twice. But mostly, what does he talk about? Eat. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. But what he's actually talking about is believing in him, consuming him, taking Christ into ourselves like we would. He uses this illustration, and the people who only want to think on an earthly level, it was a repugnant thought. But what he's saying is, you need to not just believe like, oh, I wear a cross around my neck and... You know, I sort of believe, and, you know, if the conversation comes around to, you know, spiritual things, well, I believe in God. Nope, that's not what he's talking about. Believe in him as in depend on him, yield to him, rely on him, accept everything about him as truth, and I take it into myself regularly. I'm consuming Christ. I'm feeding on his flesh. Back in the first chapter of this book, it says... He, the word, became flesh. Now he's saying, eat my flesh. Eat the word, the word of truth, 
the reality about who he is, taking it in. Now, I want to say this. I, I don't want to talk in just ethereal kind of, you know, like, ooh, that's kind of heady or something, because I believe it's very practical. When uh, yesterday morning I was pacing around in my uh, backyard praying, I was thinking about, God, what, Jesus, what do you mean, eat my flesh, drink my blood? Now, there's a connection to communion in there, but communion is just a symbol. It's to point us to the deeper spiritual reality of this. What do you mean by eat my flesh? And I started thinking how when I have relationship, and I'll use my relationship with Rose, when we met, it's like I want, I wanted more of her. I wanted to know her. I wanted her to know me. And I wanted to be around her all the time <laughs> to the point that she wouldn't take my calls. <laughs> They, they didn't have call display in those days. So sometimes, like, you know, she would try to pretend it was an answer machine. No, she wouldn't do that. <laughs> no, I wanted to be around her. And there's an element where, in relationship, it's kind of like I'm consuming something of who she is. I want it in me. Now, does that make sense? I don't mean that to sound... Weird, but when we have relationship, we know something about the person and we take it into ourselves. I know who Pastor Mel is. He speaks things to me and it's like, I want something of who he is. I want to retain it. I want to maintain that relationship and I'm taking it into myself. It's like I'm kind of consuming something of who he is. With Jesus, I'm interacting with him. Everything about him is good. He's holy. He's pure. He's truthful. He's gracious. He He's wise. He knows the future. He knows the end from the beginning. He's looking out for me. All of these things. And I want to take into myself more of who he is. I want to be like him. And I want to know that he cares for me. And he does. And, he, and because he loves me, because Rose loves me, I want to know that love. I want more of it. I need it. I, and I'm sort of consuming it in that sense. Does that make Sense, right? You have that where you know somebody, you're taking it in to you. And so with Jesus, he says, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Not just in communion where we have a little piece of bread and a little thing. and uh, It's some ritual. But it's pointing to the reality that I need to keep consuming Christ daily. Eating, feeding on him. I need more of him. I'm never done. Right? You can eat, you know, on Thanksgiving or something, and you're so full and you think, I'll never be hungry again. But you are. You need to keep going, right? You need that food again. With Jesus, it's that way. I've had great encounters with him in my life. Many. Where I think, thank you, God, for showing up. I'm 
I'm in the backyard. Actually, I noticed yesterday, I was pacing out like this, and I look, and there's a space through the hedge, and I noticed that a girl who lives next door to us is on her deck looking at me, and I'm wandering around in the backyard, I thought, I wonder what she thinks I'm doing, you know? Like, especially because sometimes I'm back there, and I'm, you know what, I'm laughing, I'm thinking about something, or, or crying, or something, and it's like, that guy next door, he's, he really has lost it, you know? His wife seems so normal, you know? His kids, you know? I'm back there, and I, it's like, Lord, I just, I, I need to keep knowing you. It wasn't enough that I had a great encounter with you, right. you know, years ago. And then a week ago even, I need to, I need to feed. Yes. And again now, I need more. I need more. It, it's never over. So I'm coming back. So this idea of eat my flesh, drink my blood, we come back and we need to see we think on an earthly level so much of the time. We need to recognize that Jesus is talking about a reality that isn't vulnerable to the kind of spoilage that's in the world. All of this food that will rot here. Now he's talking about an eternal reality We know him, we have him, we lay hold of him, we take him into ourselves. Now, I want to say, I know that it's not always the same. And I have those days where I feel like I didn't really make the connection. Mm -hmm. I know I'm not the only one. I've been walking with the Lord for quite a while now. And I have those times where I feel like, eh, you know, I sort of half tried, or maybe I even really did try, but he seemed just a little bit out of reach, and I, I didn't have a meaningful connection with him, it seems. Anybody else like that? If that's you, raise your hand right now, if you've ever had that. Yeah, where you feel deficient. Be encouraged, because the meaningful contact might be the next one. So don't say... Yeah, I've tried praying, or I've read his word. I've tried to make a connection with him. I've tried to stay, you know, intimate with the Lord. But he feels like he's just out of reach for me. Nope. He's not wanting to be. I feel like sometimes he's almost like, um, I wish one of the little kids was in here, almost like when a little kid is starting to learn to walk, and what does a parent do? They step back, you know, like half a step because they want to, you know, if they're holding their hand, the kid, you know, is going to keep holding on and isn't. Gonna, but they step back just enough that what happens? The kid, you know, launches out and does that thing, you know. And, you know, they're going forward. Well, I feel like at times God, and you know, and I don't think it, spiritually we're, we're not all toddlers exactly, but I feel like God steps back enough to say, Take another step. Take another one. Go ahead. Step out in faith. You you're, learn to walk. Go ahead. You're wobbly, but how are you going to get better? By doing it. I, you know, by doing it. So he's goading us forward by stepping back enough, but he wants us to keep coming, keep coming, keep coming, and keep feeding on who he is. So, uh, Charvine, if you uh, have a couple of helpers, perhaps you can... Um, 
pass out the elements of communion. Maybe a couple of people can give Charvin a hand back there. Um, He wants to give us life. Eternal life. Not just life on an earthly level. He wants to give us a life that won't corrupt. And the way we get it is by taking him into ourselves. Continuing to cultivate relationship. There's no sort of shortcut. No easy way. We have to keep coming to him. There's no way around it. He wants us to have that relationship. He wants to feed us. He wants us to be strong. He wants us to have life. And we have to keep coming where the life is and get it. Amen. So today, this cup and this bread, they represent Jesus' flesh, Jesus' blood. In the natural, of course, this isn't a meal. This is like... I mean, it's puny. It's just a little, it's just a symbol of a deeper reality. And without faith, this is just bread and just grape juice. With faith, now I don't mean that this actually turns into something, but through faith, we recognize this represents the actual body of Jesus that was sacrificed on the cross. And we come back to that reality that he says, the, you know, my flesh that I give, the, the oh, sorry, I'll read it. The bread also which I shall give for the life of the world is my flesh. He gave his flesh so we could have life. It took everything. He, he gave all he had left, his body on the cross, his blood shed. Why? So that you and I could be reconciled. So that we don't have to live just on an earthly sphere. And when it's over, our however many years, a long life, a hundred years, 110 and over. Hey, it, it goes by fast. It goes by really fast. Instead, what does he offer us? eternal life so that after a thousand years we'll look and just say hey man we're just getting started like that's the reality hey I've got life for you that is eternal and not on this plane life where it's abundant life life to the full life with none of the downsides and the limitations of this life that flesh that blood This represents that. So today, let's take this by faith, recognizing that I'm going to consume Christ. I'm going to believe in him. It's the same thing. I'm believing in him, relying on him to be my sustenance, my life. And I'm going to accept that what he says, who believes in him has eternal life. I'm going to accept the promise, amen? Accept it from him. Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus. Thank you that he's given his flesh, his everything, his life, so we can have life. We thank you for his body 
on the cross that means our justification, his brokenness for our wholeness, his sacrifice for our inclusion in the family of God. So as we take this bread today, we remember what you've done for us, Lord. We bless you for it. 